And then obviously the three days that you mentioned, like we walk down from Najaf to Karbala. Every day with that walk, I, I changed as a person. Like I had more faith and trust in just letting things be. Like not being, at the time I wanted to control everything. At that time I wanted to control everything. But with that walk, every day on that walk, I learned that, you know, just let it be, you know, like have faith. Hello and welcome to your new episode of the RJV podcast. Uh, today I'm here with Hossein Yassin. He's a mindset coach. He has the brand Think and Grow Big. So we're going to discuss about what he does, how he came to do what he does. Uh, my experience, a personal experience with Hossein goes back many, many years when we traveled to um, Iraq. We did a long walk from Najaf to Karbala, which are two important cities in Iraq. And in that journey, it was around four, three, four days and several days we stayed in the destination we arrived. And that's where I saw Hossein personally. I saw him grow there a lot, and especially after that. So we're going to pick it up from there and find out how he's been, how he's dealing with what's happening around the world and how he got into life coaching. So Hussein, welcome to our show. Thank you very much for having me. And it's funny you actually rang up the Iraq story. I had totally, not I've forgotten it, of course, I could never forget the experience, but it just rang up a lot of who I was back then and who I am now are two completely different people. So what year was that, 2000 and... So this was around 2015, I think, 14, 15, yeah, 15, 15, 15. Wow, man. You rang up, just by introducing me in that way, you rang up so many memories of myself back then i'm going to share a story about iraq i know that you wanted me to say who i am first but i just want to say a story um i turned up to iraq and at the time i was living a very comfortable life as in i had a job i had um, continuous income like many people do i'd been on many holidays and i've booked many hotels so it was the first time i'd ever been to iraq i had no clue what to expect i went on my own which wasn't very advised by anyone and i had a hotel booked for myself alone and when I turned up to the hotel in Najaf, the, the, guy, the, the guy at the hotel says to me, are you alone? I said, yeah. He's like, there's no way we can give you a room just for you. And I said, well, what do you mean? I've booked this room. <laughs> and um, he said, we can't just give you this room. And I said, why not? He said, well, there's like 25 million people. We would rather give it to someone. Like, we want to make, we want to utilize the space in this bedroom, et cetera, et cetera. And so at the time, I, I had someone, like a, a driver, um so he was just like oh we'll look for somewhere else so we were looking for other places we had like no there was nowhere and the guy actually when he turned me down from the hotel room the way he described it is like in arabic there's a term in it like a man will only find the hotel room right now <laughs> so i was i was just like oh my god and i was really scared i had no faith at the moment at that time i had no faith i had no like everything for me was black and white like you pay you get a hotel you pay you eat you you know what i mean so and at the time, for, for the time it was in, in, um, in Iraq, obviously everyone's just walking on faith. And I didn't have that experience. And that's actually the first time we proper spoke. And you was the, the light at the end of that tunnel. Like it was a very long night. My driver was actually telling me, come sleep at mine. But again, the mindset I was in at the time was like, no, I can't sleep at your house. Like, what do you mean? I don't know you. Um, and that was the first time I actually saw you. And seeing your face was like, so relieving because you're the only guy I knew from London. <laughs> so there was two of us. Was like, there was me and a uh, brother Hussein Maki. No, no, I'm saying Hussein wasn't there. Do you remember, like, he, oh, he, okay, Hussein was coming from Karbala or something. Okay. And the other first guy I bumped into, and I was, and I'd WhatsApp to Hussein Maki. He's like, wait for me at this hotel. And I went to the hotel, and I was sleeping in the prayer room, and he took ages to come. And you're the first guy I saw. And again, you was like to me, "I oh, come upstairs and eat." I was like, "No, no, no, I'm, like, I'm all right, I'm all right." <laughs> But it's crazy, like at that time I had no faith, no trust in like, unless I like paid for something or unless it was just black and white. And then obviously the three days that you mentioned, like we walked down from Najaf to Karbala. Every day with that walk, I, I changed as a person. Like I had more faith and trust in just letting things be, like not being, at the time I wanted to control, every, at that time I wanted to control everything. But with that walk, every day on that walk I learned that you know, just let it be, you know, like have faith. Beautiful story. Okay, so about me, my name is Hussein Yassin. Um, I used to be in the construction industry. 
I worked in the construction industry from 2010 to 2017 officially. You know, because we've had previous conversations, but I'll tell our audience, I never enjoyed that career. Like I never enjoyed it. And the more I hated it, the more I got promoted and the more money I made in that industry. And I was just never fulfilled. Like I would, I, was, I, got, I became very good at my job, but I could just, I just always thought there's more to life than just going to work, making money, making good money as well at the time. And then what? I just, it was just never really sat with me. And obviously for years, and I must admit it took me so long, you know, from 2013 to 2017 to actually make a move. I used to just talk about it. Everyone who knew me, even knew like I wouldn't see you for a year and you'd say, have you left that job yet? <laughs> Everyone knew that I was meant to leave this job and I just couldn't do it because I always thought, what else is going to pay me enough? What else is going to, you know, what am I going to do? I had no clue what I wanted to do. And then I remember like I, I came across life coaching because I went and started seeing a therapist myself and it wasn't really helping me. Um, therapy focuses a lot on the past and I already knew the past because I've always been like an open book in that sense. I would talk to my friends about my experiences in life and where I've been and where I've come from. And then one day I just said to my therapist about six or seven sessions in, look, man, like, I really appreciate this, but I don't feel like I've gained anything in the past six weeks. What's going on here? And he said to me, why not? I said to him, like, I thought I would come here and I'd walk away with something. He said, oh, so you want like, you want some sort of action plan? I said, yeah. And then he said, well, therapy's not for you. Life coaching's for you. So I said, what's that? Is that even a thing? This is 2017. Obviously, I was seeing a therapist for other reasons, like, I uh, might get into it later. And I was like, yeah, that life coaching thing, what is that? Is that a thing? He said, yeah. And I said, yeah, that's what I want then. And then he said, okay, from next session, we'll start life coaching. And the next session came in, he said, what do you want to talk about? I said, I don't enjoy my job. I don't know what to do. I just know that I don't like this job. And that was like the first exposure to life coaching. After about five or six sessions in with him, he said to me, this might sound a bit funny, but it sounds like you should be a life coach because this is what's coming up in the sessions. And I said, really? Like at that time, again, I was no way the person I was today. I mean, I've just given you a background story from Iraq. Like, I, I couldn't even say, I didn't feel comfortable to even say hello to people I didn't know. And I just thought, nah, it, it can't be for me because I started thinking, you know, public speaker and talking to people and all of this. And this, I just thought, well, it's not my personality. So he said to me, try this weekend at the coaching academy. Uh, in London and come back so I went to the coaching academy in London I thought this is this is quite good you know you, you get to actually solve people's problems and it just gave me this sense of fulfillment now of course I left there um, went home to my amazing mother-in-law and I said to her auntie I think I know what I want to do I finally come up with it I want to do life coaching and I would love to say oh that was the start you know and I just left my job and it was all like fairy tales but it wasn't. She said to me, like, I understand that and I really appreciate it. But have you thought about, like, how difficult that would be to get clients and how to, like, start up that business and your own construction? Obviously, she, she meant well at that time. Of course she did, because everyone always gives you the advice based on their level of understanding or consciousness of the world. So I just, I just, I, I didn't, she wasn't the sole reason I left it. Like, I'm not going to blame it on her. But she... To me, she, she justified the reason that was already in my head for me not to do it. Like, how am I going to go from, at the time I was earning 70K a year, and I came down to earn, like, I was like, what am I going to do? You know, like, it's, it's a massive shift in pay. So her words just justified to me that she's right. Like, it's a whole new thing. I can't do it. Then due to some um, starting over in life, I was going through a divorce at the time and it just kind of was the last straw for me you know like it wasn't a divorce it was just I thought if I'm getting a divorce I might as well just quit this job and just start life all over again which was a massive step for me because I always had this dream to become a millionaire at 25 and that was that I always said to myself oh, I'll make it by 25 because I started working on this dream at 15 so at 15 I always thought yeah I've got 10 years loads of time so obviously November 2018, I was going through a divorce and I realized, you know what, like my marriage has failed. I don't like this job. I'm going to use this opportunity to just start life all over again. And that's exactly what I've done. I actually left my savings, like the little bit of savings I had, never went back to the construction job, got a divorce. 
not many people know this, but I kind of like ended up homeless in a way, as in I didn't have, because I didn't, there was no space for me to sleep at my mum's house. So I was sleeping at my cousin's house, I was sleeping at other places. So it's not really homeless, but you know what I'm saying? Like I had to sleep elsewhere. And I just took that as an opportunity. And you know what? Like I can honestly say in that moment where, where everything seemed to be going wrong, and to anyone that I might be listening to this thinking, wow, like stuff really did go bad. Not one moment did I think to myself, like I'm screwed. Or why, like, you know what I mean? This is such a problem. Or I didn't feel that sense of what I should have been feeling, that stress or that, you know, that feeling of negativity. I didn't feel it. I just thought this is a new start. And I just kept asking myself, what can I learn? What can I learn? What can I learn from these experiences? Like, I've been through so much in life. What can I learn? What has my marriage taught me? What has, like, hating this job for so many years, I'm still there. What can I learn from that? Like, what can I... And I just kept asking myself, what can I learn? And even then, at that point, you might think coaching was for me. It wasn't. I just kept asking myself from November to around February, what can I learn and what can I do? And then just one day, this is a true story, I was doodling. I was talking to my friend on FaceTime. I was doodling on a piece of paper, as I do. And I wrote, I drew out the logo, not the one on the canvas, this one. I drew out the logo on a piece of paper while doodling subconsciously. And I looked at my friend and I said, bro, I found out what I'm going to do. I'm going to start up a coaching company. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, bro, me and you are talking, and I just drew Think and Grow Big. And it just resonates with me. I want people to, I want to be there for that person that wasn't there for me while I was going through all these problems that I went through in life. Like, for example, my parents got divorced. It caused me certain shifts in my mind, not being able to overcome that job. Like, like, why did it take me six or seven years to get out of a job that I knew I hated? Like, and I thought, there's like, I want to be the person that I needed in 2013. I, I want to be the person that, it's not about the year, so we don't have to put a year on it, but I want to be there for the person that I was three, four years ago that is in my position now. Like, in today's world, they're in that position. I want to be there for them to shortcut that whole process. Because I've been there, I can empathize from a place of understanding, not just from a place of knowledge. And I've already been listening to Tony Robbins since I was 15. Funny enough, I, me and you, I, I just remember another thing now. Me and you sat down once and you coached me, which is very interesting. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. So, yeah, that's why I got into coaching. Long story short, I want to be there for the person. We were supposed to have like several coaching sessions. We only had one, I think, right? Or yeah, two, yeah, something yeah, like that. So, like, I owe you a few more sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Because he came and he did my bro. radiators, so <laughs> I owe you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in a nutshell, that's what it is. I want to be there for the person that I needed. And I, I know a lot of people need that person. That's interesting. So we now we've got a good idea of how you kind of through life and, and, and the pressures and the difficulties are sometimes our blessings, right? A lot of times we may not understand that, but you obviously saw those lessons and maybe that journey in Karbala, other things in life I've realized for you that to get a diamond, you need to have a lot of pressure for it to become a diamond. Um, what, what, so what I want to ask you is, uh, what does motivation mean to you and how does it work? So we realize how you got to this point, but how does it work? How do you mentally utilize your knowledge, your experiences to motivate yourself? And how do you utilize that uh, motivation? That's a very, very good question. The truth is, I think there's a massive misconception about motivation. If I can compare you, if I can tell you what motivation is to me, and what it really is, like in, in the bigger scale of things, what is motivation? Motivation is like a balloon filled with air. If you leave a balloon on the side, what happens to it? Over the few, next few days, what happens? It shrinks, isn't it? Yeah. So motivation, I think, has a massive misconception because people think motivation is what they're looking for. If you're looking for motivation, you will never really succeed because i'll tell you what's going to happen right me and you can sit down right now for a session and you can tell me oh i'm really down and this is going through my life and i don't feel like going to work or i don't feel like continuing with my marriage and i can just just because of a transference of energy between me and you like obviously i've got a high energy so i can actually transfer my energy to you to make you feel like you're buzzing and that's motivation but then i'm going to leave you and you're going to go home tomorrow or you're going to go home after me and you sit down. And over the next few days, you're going to say, I've slumped again. So motivation is really, has been confused. Like what people are really looking for is inspiration. 
what they're really looking for is action. And without action, like action is, and not only action, massive, effective action, because everyone can take action. For example, let's just say I'm selling you this pen, for example. There's two, there's two salesmen. One can come and say, oh, you don't really want to buy this pen, do you? Um, it's a pen. Like, I don't know if you need it. And the other one can come in and say to you, listen, Reza, you need to buy this pen. I've got 10 left. I've got 100 doors left. They are going to go. And once they're gone, they're gone. So there's, like, again, so there's different types of action that you can take. So what people really need is inspiration and, and goals and, like, mapping out their goals and sticking to them and finding out, like, so when you're setting these goals, you want to set them in a smart way. So you want to be setting specific goals. So you can't just say, I want to be rich. Like, that's what I used to do at 15. <laughs> I want to be rich. But, bro, if you go to someone in Lebanon and say, you know, he might have $1,000 in his bank and you say, are you rich? And he say, yes, because it's subjective to me and you. To rich to me might be, you know, 100000 Someone else, it might be 200000 For the third person, it might be 300000 So first thing, when you're setting a goal, you want to be setting a specific goal um the next one is got to be measurable so like you can't just say i want to be rich so you have to say i want one hundred thousand dollars and then you want to be it's got to be um achievable so it's like, it's like you can't really be sweeping floors and say one hundred thousand by next week unless you're gonna find a way to win the lottery and like you're gonna make sure you win the lottery it's not gonna work and then obviously you've got to be realistic. So I already said that. And then timely. So by when? So I want $100,000 by the 16th of January, 2021. So that's that. And then the inspiration side is you have to think about, I think the smart goals really sums it up. But what people are lacking is the clarity and the awareness of where they're at. That's what I've found. Like a lot of people lack, lack the motivation, which is really the inspiration is because They've been conditioned from a young, young age, and they've been told what they can and can't do. Like, I'll give you a little example about my own life. Um, I remember a time where I was in school, and I must have been no, no older than maybe year one, and I put my hand up in class. And uh, I, the teacher asked the question, I put my hand up in class, and I got the answer wrong, and uh, everyone laughed. And obviously, of course, I've done work on this. So I've gone back to my younger self and I've, I've done work on this to unlock this memory. And at that moment, I decided, at that moment, I decided that, you know, it's, it's not my place. Like, it's, I don't have to be the person to put my hands up. Now, obviously, that was an unconscious memory that I bring to light. But how many people are walking around today with unconscious memories that they haven't brought to light? They don't understand why they have low self-esteem or low confidence. For example, a lot of men, and I don't want to get too deep with this. I don't know, you tell me how deep you want me to go. But a lot of men lack good relationships with their fathers, right? But they're out here saying, oh, I don't have the confidence to play football, for example. But it might have nothing to do with football. Football is like a surface level problem. Like a lot of people say, can you help me? I've got a client right now that's scared, scared of something, obviously. Due to confidentiality, I don't want to share what it is. And uh, I said to her, what happened? Well, actually, I could share this part. So there was a murder that, was, that took place in the building she's living in. And, it, and she said to me, oh, I'm so scared to go back home. And she actually reached out to me and we're working together on the basis that I'm going to help her overcome this fear of going back home. So we went to work. In session one, we uncovered that the murder has nothing to do with anything. It just triggered an emotion that already existed within her. So if you imagine a water bottle or a cup of water, very still water, it's not moving. You get a pen, you squirt it, you've triggered that water, and now it's moving. So obviously... The, People are just triggered, really, and that's all it is. Like, so they need to find out why. Like, find out your why. Why do you feel a certain way, or why do you want to achieve something? Because if if you're if you're just looking at the surface level stuff, oh, I just want, I don't know. Like, if I I want a hundred thousand dollars, right? I can guarantee you this due to experience. If I ask you questions, you don't want a hundred thousand dollars. You want significance. You want freedom. You want security. You want those things. But then if I change the question from how can you meet security? How can you meet certainty in your life? Or how can you, what can make you feel free? You'll find that you can do things right now in this moment to make you do that. And obviously you can work on them. Now the $100,000 might still be something you need or you want, but you don't have this feeling of insignificance if you don't have it. Does that make sense? So you're talking about almost 
uh, therapy and the life coaching as a package that helps people. So they go back in the past, find out what were the issues that is blocking them, res bring it up, resolve it to enable the block to be moved so they can progress. There's a mixture of that. Um, in a way, and everything is a therapy really. If you think about it, like strategic intervention is the qualification I've got. It's a, it's a type of therapy. But if we're going to say counseling, in a way, coaching is about not living in the past. So like in, in counseling, or which they call therapy is, they focus on a lot of what happened, right? What happened? What happened? Why did it happen? Coaching focuses on, or in, like, to inspire, coaching focuses on, this is what I want. This is what's stopping me. Let me overcome this hurdle and I can get there. So you're using your past as an awareness, like you're becoming aware to what the real problem is. And then you're using that to propel you as opposed to just focusing on the past. Like I was a kid, I put up my hand and the teacher told me my answer was wrong. And how did that make me feel at the time? And why did it do this to me? And like, why did everyone laugh at me? And instead in coaching, what we'll do is we'll say, why do you struggle to put your hand up in a, a room full of people? And you'll say, well, I don't know. I just feel really scared. And then I might say something like, well, how would you like to feel about it? You'd like to you'd say, oh, I'd like to feel confident. And I'll say to you, name me a time where you put your hand up in the room and you felt confident. And you'll say, oh, I was with my friends. I knew everyone loved me. And then we'll use that experience to show you like actionable steps that that might, you have one memory where it never worked out, but you have loads of other memories where it did. And by shifting your perception, that everything changes. Because obviously there is a process to achieving something, but really it takes a moment. It takes a moment to shift your perception and it takes maybe a while to, sh to, to put the process in place. But it's so like if we take folks, yeah, go on. So other than, um, so you, you could say what you do is life coaching, right? Do you yeah. also deal with, obviously you deal with self-confidence because you've mentioned it a few times, uh, certain kind of things that block you mentally from trying to be more proactive. Do you also deal with, or is that complete separate thing from you? people who may have depression or low, um, I think you mentioned you do do with self-esteem, right? So, but, depre but depression and self-pity, things like that, or is that for, you know, uh, qualified counselors or whatever? Is that something else? No, you can, you can deal with depression because realistically, that's the situation. So with coaching, uh, there's obviously the, there's International Coaching Federation or Foundation. Um, but realistically, coaching isn't actually governed. So, for example, if you want to go and practice uh, being a psychotherapist, you actually have to go to university, study. Coaching isn't. So, of course, like anything and in any ungoverned area, there are a lot of people that wouldn't be able to execute and coach effectively in such a wide, vast area of, of things. Like, for example, most coaches might focus on performance. But me personally, because I've studied strategic intervention through the Robbins Madonna's training, which is Tony Robbins and Chloe Madonna's, who's a leading uh, therapist, and obviously Tony Robbins is a leading co performance coach. I've studied that, which is strategic intervention, and also I've done NLP, and also I've attended like loads of different workshops, which have like hypnotherapy. So I'm I'm personally able to work with performance coaching, and also stuff like like I've helped people. I've my clients range from helping someone publish their book to working someone who's been through human trafficking. That's quite so a big I range. have a very wide area of, of people that I work with. That's a big range. Because at the, at the foundation, the principles are the same. Do you know what I mean? It's all, with coaching, it's all about the questions and how to, how to come to that realization and those results through questions. Do you get anyone who comes, uh, just says, um, I just don't know what I want to do. I just have no goals. I have no ambitions. Like they're almost like a blank campus. Do you have anyone like that? And if you do, yeah, how do you course, try to help course. them? Of course, um, you, you, you get you get people like that. They say, that's what I'm saying. So if you go back to the beginning of this session, I said to you, I want to be there for the person that I needed. And that's where I was. I was in a career and I was so unfulfilled, but I had no clue what I wanted to do. 
Um, and for that reason, I, I can always I can always say with certainty that we know what we want to do. Like, and we think we don't, but we do know because if you realize what I said to you about the story in 2017, I was the first time I came across coaching. That weekend, I knew I wanted to be a coach, but then my old brain kicked in and said, "You can't do it. It's not for you. Like you're such an introvert," and all these things come up. But it, but in fact, you knew what you wanted to do, and you just buried the emotion. Like if I asked you now. Tell me about something you're passionate about. Um, you might say, I don't know, tell me something you're passionate about. Well, I, I have one of those uh, lists that you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, so, so your, your vision I goal. do this now. I'm doing this now. I haven't started this yet or this one. So you, you have like a vision board. But if, for example, I said to you, tell me an area of life you're passionate about. I'm passionate about teaching and films okay and is that an area you're working in yeah oh, that's great but if you was to come to a coach and say i have no clue what i wanted to do i'll ask you the same question tell me something you're passionate about and you might say oh i love helping people or it might just be i love sports or it might be i love the way the mind works or it could be i love art you will everyone knows what they're passionate about yeah yeah um, sometimes they might say, I don't know. And then you say, if you didn't know, what would that look like? Or if you didn't know, what would your answer be? And when it's funny, like when you ask a question in that way, it sounds so stupid. Oh, if you didn't know, what, how would that sound? Yeah. When you ask it that way, they say, oh, okay, yeah. So this is my answer. And, or if there's another way to go about it, where you'll say, forget about what you want to do. So are we talking about career here? Is that correct? So, uh, not necessarily career. You might have someone who just is kind of lost. Like, for example, no they might have a job that they go to, but they have no motivation for it, no desire for it. Like, they feel like lost in the world, in society, as part yeah, of the yeah. community. So, like, they want to change a career. They want they want to be more fulfilled in what they're doing. They want to be fulfilled in day to day life. Maybe also they want a purpose for their life. Do you deal with that <laughs> stuff? Yeah. So it's it's the same foundation. So like. The reason I ask that we're asking about careers because if you think about it, most of us spend 10 hours out of 24 hours in a career. Yeah. So it's a massive part of our lives. And people don't realize that. Like, for example, if you're unfulfilled in your career, I'm sorry to say this, but you're pretty much unfulfilled in your life because, you know, say you sleep eight hours, you're in your job for 10 hours. You're, most places, you're taking an hour to get to work, an hour back. So what's that? You've got 20 hours and then you've got four hours to do what you love. Uh... Our dear, dear friend Hussein Mekki taught me this example many years ago. But if you have two glasses, one has Coke and one has water, if you only put a little bit of water in the Coke, it's never going to turn white. You know, it's never going to turn clear. So, and then you end up fulfilled. And then that shows, that manifests in your marriage, that manifests in the relationship with your kids, that manifests in the relationship with your friends. Because you're spending 10 hours of your day unhappy. So with someone like that, it's, it's, it's literally as easy as saying, okay, so what do you enjoy doing? Like what, uh, if, if they were to sit down with me, I would say, what is the purpose of your life? Or like, what is it that you want to do? And then they might say, well, I want to change my career. And I would say, okay, so tell me about the attributes of a career that you would like. And they would say, I don't know, because that's what everyone says. Like, everyone loves those words. I don't know. And then you'll go, well, okay, tell me what you would enjoy in a workplace. And then they might say, you know, using me as an example, at the time I remember I started writing down, I want to work in a warm place because I used to work in minus three outside. Okay, that's not going to give me a place to work. But then I'll say, I want to be paid for my value, not just a day rate. Again, that's not going to give me a job. And then you might say, I enjoy helping people. I want to feel like I'm contributing to society. I want to feel like I'm helping someone. I want to feel like I have, I have a mark on the world. And they'll keep talking and talking and talking. And then you'll think, okay, so what would that result give? So you'll say, well, it'll give me financial freedom. It'll give me uh, fulfillment. It'll give me all of these things. And then again, you still don't have a career, but then you, then you work on the massive action plan. That's when you start to brainstorm. These are the attributes of what I would enjoy. These are the results it would give me. And then it's a matter of 
just looking at it and it's not something that you can overcome in like two minutes or even an hour you know it's time to, to go to work start thinking read like you know and that's the thing like obviously now i'm telling you this it will hit you like after you see all these things on a piece of paper it will just make sense to you like for example if you take the construction industry and the coaching industry would you say that they are similar uh well most of you are building things it's interesting you say that most people i say they know no because the construction industry is all about building houses and the coaching industry is all about dealing with people and and helping people but i've answered the question there like plumbing and coaching have a lot in common especially when i started writing on the paper what i enjoyed about plumbing and that's the question i forgot to ask like when you're asking the person what the purpose of their thing or what do they what do they enjoy about their current job so i enjoyed helping people i enjoyed seeing people's faces light up when you've helped them i enjoyed all these things and then you can you like you can take the transferable things that you enjoy and then add the stuff that you don't enjoy for example i want it to be warm and you it will hit you like you you because everyone has an idea you know what i mean like everyone thinks to themselves like between me and you it wasn't the coach that said to me oh it sounds like you could be a coach it was me after seeing all of this that said, oh my God, like I remember when I was 15, I really wanted to be like Tony Robbins. And then he said, well, now that you say that, it does sound like you could be a coach. So it's like, I always had this dream from 15, I just forgot about it. Like I remember the first time I ever come across Tony Robbins, I was like, I want to stand on stage and speak like that guy. Cause he, like when I, I remember the first time I ever crossed him on YouTube, I felt like he was talking to me and I was like, how can someone have such a, an impact on someone through a phone, you know? And I thought, I want to do that. But then I carried on from the age of 15 to the age of 24, 23, doing plumbing. Because I left all of that outside. I focused on trying to make myself rich and I focused on where I can make money, but that never fulfilled me. Like I thought money would make me happy, it didn't. And that's where most people go wrong. Like, and that's why, like, even, and that's the thing. If I spoke to my younger self and told him everything that I've been through right now, I think he would still go down the hard road because that's, that's, that's how we like to do things. We like to experience the pain before we make the decision. So I don't regret it. So I want to bring you back to our trip to Karbala. Um, so we're talking about growth. Um, we're in a society where it's not really a spiritual society. You experience a massive amount of growth on a kind of spiritual journey that you are having. Can you tell me a little bit about how those who utilize spirituality, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific religion, but spirituality of various religions, how does that help them maybe extra if it does or if it doesn't? I personally believe, of course, I'm a Muslim and I believe in Islam. And I personally believe everybody I speak to that isn't a Muslim, I believe everyone believes in something. I believe everyone everyone believes in, they. some people call it the universe, some people call it energy. Even atheists decide to believe in, you know, the law of attraction and, and energy. Everyone believes in something. They just don't know what to call it. I think most of the, again, I am by far not educated on the religious aspect of things. I can talk to you about psychology for days, but this is just my personal opinion. I believe everyone believes in energy and everyone believes in something. I think we're fighting over what to call it. Some people call it Allah, some people call it Krishna, some people call it Jesus, some, whatever they want to call it. And I think we have more commonality amongst human beings then we have differences and the reason I bring that back to spirituality is I, I believe we're all we're all connected I believe because for example in this conversation between me and you there's a transference of energy uh, if you go to buy a coffee of someone that why is there some shops that you just feel repelled from you know because they they're just the energy is not there like it's you don't sometimes you don't even know why it is like sometimes I come across people and I just immediately just you know I feel like a bit of resistance I don't have nothing against them they're good people so I believe spirituality I think spirituality exists everywhere we're just we're just confused over what to call it we're fighting over what to call it I personally believe does that answer your question 
And do you think it helps with the kind of life coaching you do if someone has a level of spirituality? Does it assist them more or it's um, non-beneficial? No, of course, of course. And that's the, fu- the the interesting thing is, obviously, I have a lot of knowledge about my personal Islam. Like, for example, I know a lot of information. I just couldn't really lecture it. Or I couldn't speak about it. I just know random topics, which allow me to sometimes be coaching. And I think, wow, like Islam actually preached this thousands of years ago. And now we've just come to it. Like, for example, how many times have you heard your net worth is your network? Yeah. The prophet said it thousands of years ago. You know, show me who your friends are. I'll show you who you are. Uh, other sayings like um, can't come to the top of my head now, but there's like so much sayings from Islam that are now being preached in the world. Like for oh, actually, yeah, I remember. So I'm not sure if you've heard of Ho'oponopono. Have you heard of Ho'oponopono? No, what's that? It's a Hawaiian prayer, yeah. So where you say, "I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you," and you just say it to anything and everyone, and then it heals the energy between you, and it does work actually. I've got some interesting stories. But the reason I bring up Ho'oponopono is it's similar to saying subhanallah, alhamdulillah, mustaghfirullah, I mean, like, and how, how many years have we been doing that for? Yeah. So these are interesting because well, these, these are traditions yeah, from various parts of the world. Like you just mentioned Hawaii, right? But then yeah, yeah. Muslims in the Middle East, they're, they're uh, reaching out to the same kind of energy they want to get. So healing energy, forgiveness energy, and that kind of energy that is positive, that, um, pushes down negativity so they can go forward um, so so I remember when you're talking about the stuff about um, having the ideas of what you want so you saw my kind of board that I had I've had yeah, it for a few board. years I'm right? very impressed yeah I don't think I showed it to you when you came before I've seen it uh, before I've seen it oh before. you have seen it before so yeah, I remember yeah. at one point it was maybe seven, eight, nine years ago so it was a really low point and then I saw the the video, The Secret, right? You know, the one. Yeah, yeah, the Law of Attraction. <laughs> law of Attraction. So I was like, oh my God, this is it. And, you know, but like you said, it's not necessarily about like having a goal of this amount of money at this specific time. These are not the things that satisfy you. Yeah, you've achieved it because you had a reason you want to achieve it because you want to spend it on something, right? That amount of money on its own is not the reason for you wanting to achieve it. So I want to talk to you about now is how, how, or what, how, what do we, how do we decide what are high levels of goals other than the material, other than amount of money and a nice house. That's fine. That's all. Everyone can have that. But what's the next level of uh, goals that we as human beings can try and aim for? And how do we come to those, making those goals up that elevates us? elevates our spirit elevates our soul instead of just the usual this amount of money house car whatever that's all fine but what's above that do you think you know what the, the truth is right and i know this is probably not the answer people want to hear because especially if we have an islamic audience and even if it even if it's not an islamic audience um we get told to to it's like there's a saying in, in for the Islamic perspective, you know, man, whoever knows himself knows his God. And I truly believe we're like setting goals backwards to front. Like we're saying, I want $100,000. Instead of saying, what do I really want? Because when you sit down and think, what do I really want? And, and even if you was to do it that backwards to front, where I say, I want $100,000. If you ask yourself, why do I want it? You might get the answer. The, the, the common answer I get is I want freedom, right? Because people think that much money is going to give them freedom. But then, obviously, there's two ways you can go from that question. You can go, well, have a look at him. He's got $2 million and he hasn't got freedom, right? But we're not there yet. We're, we're, I'm going to focus on this, 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 this line. After I ask you, why do you want $100,000? say, I want freedom. I'll ask you, why do you want freedom? And then you might say something like, I want to feed my family. Or I want to look after my family. I'm going to ask you that same question seven times, right? So it's going to be, like, how much money, what's your goal? You can say 100,000. I want freedom. I want to feed my family. I'm going to ask you, you're going to keep answering. I'm going to keep answering seven times. When you get to level seven, what you want is completely off course to what you think you want. I'm going to give you a real life example. 
Um, I started business coaching some woman who wanted to be a coach. Um, well, she wanted to be a businesswoman. We went from, why do you want to be a businesswoman? She said, why? She said, why? She said, why? She said, why? We ended up with, she just wants to be loved or she wants a husband, like one of the two. And when I said this to her, I said, okay, so do you realize now that you don't really want a business, you want a husband? She said, oh, no, I don't think so. I said, well, these are your answers. But now I want you to work back up the list. And anyone that's watching this, try this, right? I want you to work back up the list. If you had a husband, how easy, would it, how easy is it to feel X? For example, let's just say you want to feel comfort or freedom. Or how easy is it to achieve that? And you'll go, oh, like, yeah. And you start to work back up the list and up the list. You know what? Hold on. Let me check if it's in here. It's not. I should have, I don't know I was going to share this, but I, I could have got it for you. But do it at home. If you're watching this, do this. Say, why, what do I want? And you want money. Why do I want money? Why do I want that? Why do I want that? Get to level seven and work back up the list. And you literally, like, you'll be mind blown because what you really want is nothing to do with what you think you want. Is it like almost going into the subconscious deeper and deeper and deeper to find out what the real reason for something is? I mean, I began by saying, Man whoever knows himself knows his God. It has nothing to do with the physical God of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, although that's what we want to do. It's more to do with how many people actually sit down and get to know themselves. How many people actually sit down and think about what they want, aside from being told what you want. Because that's the thing. Many people, even if I asked you now, do you know what? If I asked you what's hypnotherapy, what would you say to me? It's a form of hypnotism, so you can get to a... More yeah, but what's accurate. the picture that comes to your mind? When oh, I the say clock. Clock, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, what did they used to hypnotize? Like, I don't know, like uh, patterns or something? I'm not sure. Yeah, like, oh, most people say, you know, someone lying down on a bed and some guy talking to him. The reality of the situation is right now, me and you are hypnotizing each other. We're hypnotizing our audience. And we are being hypnotized all day through billboards, through Instagram, through social media, and we are being, they're, they're inserting things into our minds. Messages encoded. And then you come out and say, oh, I want a Lamborghini, bro. Like, why? Like, <laughs> you don't want a Lamborghini, bro. Someone told you that you needed one. You don't need one. And a lot of the times, because we don't do no self-reflection, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And before you know it, we're like in a different world. We're feeling depressed because we don't have a Rolls Royce. Like, that's not even... Like, if I said to you, is it realistic for you to be depressed because you don't have a Rolls Royce? You would say no, because it's just a car. Like, at the end of the day, it is just a car. But, like, when you keep getting fed this information, right, it makes you feel like you want it, and you start to feel like you want it. And what we feel, we believe. It's like, for example, so back to the hypnotizing thing. We're always hypnotizing each other. Words are a form of hypnosis. That's why words, they create the meaning in your mind that you give to these words. And then the meaning creates the, the decisions you make in life and that impacts your life. So I'm going to give this to you in, in real life example. And I know a lot of people will resonate with this if they insert the word of their choice. Um, if, if, if you always say, if, if I, you know, I really annoyed you and you said, oh, you're really, you know, you're really making me angry, you know. So you're using the word angry. And the word you give, the, the meaning you give to anger is, for example, maybe, I don't know, smashing a table. Or maybe not extreme, you know, just, just rage you know and all of a sudden like you're giving the meaning of your life that i'm a person who has rage you know like i'm a person who, who's, who's got anger the world is angry the world is a tough place the world you know it's a dog eat dog world you hear people say and before you know it the decisions you're making are based on the meaning that you've given to the world that started with your words now, i'm going to give you a better example because i thought of a better one how many people have you heard say life is hard man or, you know, I'm going to use a better one. Life is a test. You've heard someone say to you, life is a test, yes? So I'm, this is the perfect one. We, it took a while to get there, but we got there. Life is a test. I'll start by saying, you know what? Life's a test. Very innocent. Re Reza, life's a test. By me continuously saying life is a test, all of a sudden, the meaning I've given to the world, like the whole universe, is that there's a test going on. And when there's a test, you're always on, you know, you're always on edge. You can't even answer to someone's questions without... You know, thinking about, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? And before you know it, every decision you make is based on this test. And like, but in reality, there's no test. 
Like, for example, you want to go to the corner shop, but you feel like you're being tested. No, like, bro, like, chill out. Like, it's, it's not a test, bro. So, if, as opposed to, for example, if I say the word, life is beautiful, you know, like, then that way, you, you see beauty wherever you go, and the decisions you make are based on that, that beauty that you see. Or, for example, life is, um, life is growth, or life is, uh, life is a lesson. So obviously going back to my, my, I always bring this up for some reason, but going back to my whole divorce situation, you know, I, I know many people and I work with a lot of people now that go through divorce, it completely annihilates their existence. Like it does. Uh, but the way I was able to see it as like, this was a massive lesson for me. And alhamdulillah, like it didn't annihilate my existence. If anything, me and my ex-wife are more friends today than we've ever been. Because I was able to say to her, like, thank you so much. And I've stood, on, I've stood up in front of a 350-person crowd in Brixton and spoke about this. And people gave me a standing ovation in the way I spoke about my ex-wife because I was able to see the lessons from that experience as opposed to the problems. Because you get a lot of people who say, you know, why did you split up? Oh, she was this and she was that and she did this. And they don't say, you know, we just, like... I, I wasn't myself, like I, wasn't, I wasn't the best that I can be and I let that person down. How many people really take responsibility? And I wanna always connect this back to your real question, so spirituality, goal setting. So I just came up with it, like the word responsibility, bro, like when you're putting goal setting, take responsibility for your goal. Don't blame, don't set a goal that you know you can't achieve because you've already got the reason why you're not gonna achieve it. Like some people set a goal and then they'll blame, they've already got the reason why they're not going to achieve it. Like they're setting unrealistic goals and they're going to tell you, you know, COVID happened. COVID really messed me up. COVID, you know, finished my business. They won't take responsibility that, of their business. Does that make sense? So we're discussing, like, I think from this conversation, there's uh, a few things. One is uh, your consciousness how you're thinking, so bear that in mind, always analyze that. Your subconscious, so the deeper level of thoughts and experiences that you've had that have been proper embedded into your psyche, go back and try and reanalyze those. And also reflection on a positive way, as opposed to reflection on a negative way and blaming. Take ownership, take responsibility, and reflect on things that have happened or are happening and utilize it in a positive way. Get positive lessons out of it. Is that something that makes sense? Yeah, that makes complete sense. And like it, 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 the, the responsibility thing really kind of like sums it up. Um, take responsibility for your actions. Take responsibility for your thoughts. Like many people just say, this is just how I am. There's no such thing. I was speaking to someone recently and they said, oh, I'm Iraqi. Or I was speaking to someone else recently and they said, uh, she's Italian. Like they're justifying someone else's actions because of their, their, their culture, which is, it, it doesn't, I know this might, you know, trigger a few people and say, well, this is how we are as a culture. No, at the end of the day, we are all human at the end of the day, right? And we can all be our ultimate selves by just controlling, bringing what's in the subconscious, bringing these things that don't serve us and consciously working on them. Like, you've got, I don't know if you can see, there's like so many sticky notes here that I have to read every morning. Like, for example, I have to tell myself, master your mind, master your life, because in fact, if you master your life, if you master your mind, you master your life. Or like, you know, I've got incantations where I'm trying to, sometimes I get too carried away. I'm trying to transform a million lives. I'm getting really put down. You know, I haven't made the impact I need to make. I need to remember that it's just one life at a time. So I have to remind myself these things. And this doesn't come easy. But a lot of people, they don't, they don't take responsibility for their thoughts. They just brush it off. You know, this is how I am. This is how I went through this experience. So this is why I am the way I am. Um, for example, I see, I, I'm sure a lot of you have seen this photo. Two guys were asked. Um, one, two guys had a father who was an alcoholic. They were both asked, um, why did you come? Like, one of them was asked, why, why didn't you drink? And he said, because my dad's an alcoholic. The other one, they're like, why are you an alcoholic? Because my dad's an alcoholic. It's about the decisions that we make daily. And a lot of people, when it comes to their mind, they get really lazy. Like, and I, I appreciate that I'm taking a lot of time talking here because it's a very broad subject. But a lot of people get so complacent when it comes to their mind. Like, for example, I get this a lot. Um, oh, I tried this and it didn't work. And I say, well, how long have you been in your limiting belief? 
you know, how, how long have you thought in a negative way about yourself? So I've been this way for about 15 years. You say, okay, how long have you been trying to change it? So oh, I tried it. You know, you told me to do it last week. I tried it for a few days. Uh, it didn't really work. And I say, okay, did you go to the gym and then get muscles straight away? Or would you expect to get muscles straight away? Of course not. And, and when it comes to our mind, we believe that it's not. Obviously, if I said to you, point to your mind, you'd point to your head, but that's not where your mind is. Your mind is nowhere, really. But we have to understand that it's just another muscle. We have to build on it. Like I was by far, by far. And you know what? If anything, you started this by saying the story about Iraq, which took me all the way back. I was introverted. I was like shy. I always thought like the massivest misconception I had was my net worth was my self-worth, which was like, again, took a lot of discovery and a lot of coaching myself to understand that, no, no, no that's not true. But how many people really go that deep? And how many people even admit it? How many people would admit that, that they believe that net worth is their self-worth? Not many people would admit that. But it takes a lot of work, continuous work daily. And you can never get complacent. Because if you get complacent, then what happens? You slip back, you know? Yeah. Uh, is there any, finally, is there any projects you're working on now? Anything that you like to share with us? Um, at the moment, I've been blessed to be offered to speak. So I gave a, a talk the other day to university students in Nepal. Um, I've spoke to oh, 100 authors the other day. So right now I'm taking up a lot of speaking engagements because uh, I realized that's like really where my heart is. Like I would like to, I love coaching. So coaching is obviously dealing with clients one-to-one. But I think what I really want to do is the, the speaking engagements and just launching it. Like I'm, this year, inshallah, um, God willing, we're going to go past the six-figure mark as, as thinking grow big as a company, which is good. I mean, only in November 2019, I was thinking to it's not working, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to. And obviously, I, I had to make some shifts. COVID has been a massive massive um, booster so again it's all about how I decided to position myself so just growing the coaching business and taking on more speaking engagements that's about and how, it. do you have like a website or place where they can people see you speak and just Facebook and Instagram that's about it is it under that brand think and grow big nah Hussein Yassin so Hussein no, okay. Yassin's on Facebook we'll put the link in the comment section yeah the Instagram but that's about it. Thank you so much for having me, bro. It was great talking to you. I think our audience would have learned a lot. And hopefully if they want to get more life coaching experiences, they can come straight to you and you can help them out. I mean, even if they have any questions, it's not necessarily about like life coaching. I know a, little, a lot of people get skeptical about messaging people, but they need yeah. to realize it's okay. Like we're all human. We all message each other. It's fine to message. Do you know what I mean? So if anyone's got a question, if anyone needs help with stuff, then we'll don't, don't be shy to shoot us a message. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad you watched our video. Please follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter to be notified of future video releases.